This is the MMA Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Petrie. Let's go. Let's go. Holy shit. I'm back, baby. I'm back in action. I I didn't think I was going to make it this one. This one was tough because I'll tell you why. Six o'clock came, right? Five o'clock came. Wife locked the keys. My keys in the truck. My in-laws had to drive out there. If you're from this area, you know driving from Cincinnati through Northern Kentucky during rush hour is the worst thing that's ever happened in, in, in the history of mankind. Um, so that kind of sucked. But the the most important thing is we're here. I almost had to push it till fucking uh, yesterday or till, or till tomorrow. What am I saying? I don't know. I'm distracted. It's been a while. Welcome to the My Takes Podcast. I'm glad you guys are here. And I'll tell you why. Because it's been too long. Too long since I've talked to you boys and girls. Um, I have a lot to to grieve about, a lot to complain about. I'm going to maybe save that because we have 15 fights to get through, and we're trying to we're trying to make money. We're trying to fucking get the best fights we can. I ha- I am. If you've been with me for a long time, you know I'm I'm OCD about my setup. I like my gear. I like to keep it fancy. I got some situations going on right now where I could go a, a tight 25 minutes talking, complaining about what I have right now because companies have failed me. The shippers of this world have failed me. I got a lot to complain about. There's a lot. There's a lot in the book I could go through. It's been a week since I've talked to you boys. It's been a week. I could go. There's a laundry list of things I could do. I'm I, I'm electing not to do that because we got 15 fights. You're here for the fights. You're not here for my complaints. Maybe I'll complain next week when we do the recap show. That's usually what I complain about. But I'm happy you're here. I'm happy that you're watching. I'm happy that I'm picking fights again. It's been too goddamn long. Full disclosure. Oop, at the top of the show, I want this to be on the top of the show. This card is a very special card. It's a very good card. I love it. The dogs are barking. The dogs are barking on this card for sure. Uh, I'm sure you've listened to other podcasts this week. <clears throat> I'm a little later in the week here on Thursday night, but every capper is letting you know the dogs are barking. It is moving lines left and right. So the lines I have today, they're probably moved a little bit. Bear with me. However, no slime ball parlay. I'm sorry. I tried everything I could do. There's only one guy I really absolutely love. This is going to be single bet city. Single bets across the board. This is going to be maybe a little bit of an underdog parlay. If I do do that, I will share that with you on Saturday. This is going to be maybe props. Maybe I can get off my prop skid that I've been on, um, but no slime ball parlay. I try to make it work. I try to fucking figure it out. I try to grease the wheels. I try to get the kinks going. I I, I literally, uh, I could not. I could not figure it out. Like I said, there was one guy I was, I was supremely confident. Everyone else, I was just like, eh. That slime ball is not meant for underdogs. That's the underdog parlay, which I went 0 for 3 last time I did that. So I didn't want to jinx myself. I didn't want to go crazy with it. But we got a lot of bets. Got a lot of picks. Um, I'm going to paint the board uh, this week. I, I, I'm, I have at least what? Let me see. Flip this book open. Okay. Yeah. So I got at least six single bets right now. I haven't even dove into the props yet. Six chunky bets. Bets. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting a quarter unit. We're going one unit. We're going three units. We're going two units. We're going big, boys. Three more cars at the end of the year. Either I'm going to be up a lot come January or I'm going to be down a lot. Okay? You empty the clip. You let it. You let the fucking work speak for itself, baby. First five of the night. Louis Smoke, a minus 150 versus Vince Morales, plus 122. This fight kind of stinks a little bit on paper. Uh, Vince Morales is a guy who I can't quit because Team Alpha Male, good wrestler, has you know has, was on the Contender Series, then went to Bellator, got a win, back to the UFC, has fought some high-level guys, has looked like shit in some of these fights, has looked like an okay prospect. Coming off a win over Draco Rodriguez was a close fight, but Vince Morales, he just gets there and he just falls flat. Then you got Luis Smoker coming off a finish win over... Jose Alberto Quinonez and Luis Mocas had been up and down in his career. This guy is an up and down fighter. He's all over the place. You know, he's had some, I think, outside problems. 
If that, can I say outside problems? You guys know what that means? I think he's had some problems outside the UFC um, with like personal stuff, but I think he's cleaned it up. He has looked good since he has been he's been cut from the UFC. He's been brought back. I think he looks better. However, I said at the top of the show the dogs are barking. Luis Smoke at minus one fifty is laughable to me. I don't know how you take that. I'm going Vince Morales here. I can't quit the guy. I'm good to go with him again. Um, I you know I don't love this pick. This might not be something I bet. I do like the number next to his name at plus one twenty two. I Vince Morales is an okay striker. I think Luis Smoka is is decent on the ground. I think he can strike a little bit. I think Vince Morales is going to be the more physical guy. I think he can take Smoka down. I think he can maybe avoid some submissions, get some ground and pound off. I think he's probably. Uh, if he wants to, he can keep it on the feet. Luis Smoke, I don't think, has the biggest power on the feet. He's got some good kicks. He's crafty a little bit, but nothing crazy power. Like, he throws his stuff to get the fight to the ground. I think Vince Morales is a good enough wrestler and strong enough that he might maybe not want to take it to the ground. I, I think Morales is going to dictate where this fight goes, and I, that's the guy I'm going to go with. And when you give me a plus number next to his name, you see that plus sign? Yeah. Sign me up. I, but this will be the last time I bet Vince Morales because I just can't keep betting a guy. You know what I mean? I can't keep betting a scrub like that. All right, next up, Alex Moreno. Minus 225 versus Mickey Gall. Mickey, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. Hey, Mickey. Still one of the best workouts, uh, walkouts I've ever seen when he beat up CM Punk. He's plus 180. Listen. I don't like either of these guys. Moreno's a guy who I have faded a lot. You know, and I think he's very average. He has looked like he has been pretty good as of late. He has had some chin problems. Sometimes in his fights, his chin shows up. Sometimes it doesn't. His jiu-jitsu is pretty good. His wrestling's good. He, like, runs his own gym and then does his camp at Fortis or something like that. He's a Texas boy. Mickey Gall has kind of bounced around. He went out to the West, you know, Jersey kid, you know, jiu-jitsu kid in Jersey. Went all the way out West uh, for a little bit in California a few years ago. Wasn't really getting, I guess, the work he wanted. Ended up with Matt Brown in Ohio. I mean, listen, we breed Ohio tough, baby. Ohio tough for sure. But uh, he looked good his last time against Jordan Williams. But Jordan Williams, Jordan Williams is not good. You know what I mean? He's just not good. So I like uh, I like Morono here. I like Morono here. I don't like the number. But listen, I can't bet Mickey go out plus 180. I know he might be the value pick here. But this guy's jiu-jitsu, I think he's a fraud in the jiu-jitsu. The only bigger fraud with their black belt is Charles Rosa. This guy, I think, is a complete fraud with his jiu-jitsu, with his black belt skills. And any time a fighter has been finished by Diego Sanchez in this century, 2019, Mickey Gall got finished by Diego Sanchez after calling him out. I know that was two years ago. Mickey, you know, he's with Matt Brown. He's learning how to dip, you know, some, you know, take a dip, you know, spit some dip. He's getting tough, young fighter. But when you get TKO by Diego Sanchez, not that long ago. I mean, this wasn't 10 years ago. This was two years ago. And Diego's only other finish up until that point was 2008. I, I can't pick you ever. I don't care if you're plus 10,000. I don't, I can't pick you. I just can't. I think Morona dictates here. I think he has better stand-up. I think he's going to avoid Mickey. Mickey is a long guy, and, and his stand-up looks okay. I mean, he outboxed Mike Perry in that fight. Mike Perry grounded him. You know, Mickey's stand-up has come a long way. It looks like he put on some power. He does have some good straight punches. That obviously is a fear when you when Morona fights is he could get clipped. He has a chin problem. And Mickey does have those long-range punches that people maybe, they might get snuck up on. You might get snuck up on some of these punches. But I like uh, I like Morona here. I, I, I think he can dictate this fight. I think if he takes a fight to the ground, I think he's fine. I think Mickey's going to slow down if it gets three rounds. Um, yeah, I mean, the Mick, Mickey Gall can't be the nail here. Alex Morono, you know, maybe have some dangerous spots in this fight. Maybe he might get caught a little bit. But, yeah, I think uh, Morono's going to dictate this. I think Morono's going to win the fight. No problem. Next up, the big boys. The big boys that no one gives a shit about. Uh, Asmac. <clears throat> got to prepare for this fucking name. Asmac Morocco. Oh, hang on. That font's weird. I chose a weird font if you're watching this. Asmat Merzorakhanov. Merzorakhanov versus Jared Vandenier. Merzorak, Asmat. We'll call him Asmat. Minus 215, Jared Vandenier. Plus 172 for the big boys. Here. Big old thick drink. I know you guys love that. The ASMR people. The Misifomias or whatever the fuck that's called. Probably driving nuts. Listen, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I'm fading. Asmat here, give me Jarrett Vanderneer. I think the guy stinks. I think he's a punching bagger a lot of times. I think his ground game is complete shit. 
He's 6'4", Asmat's 5'10", Asmat's coming off the contender series. A lot of his knock, he, he wins a lot of his fights by knockout. You come in here, you fight a big guy like Jan Vandernier, who's maybe going to take your shots, you're going to gas out a little bit, you're going to be undersized. I can see Vandernier taking this at plus 172. I'm going to take it. I'm not falling for the bait. I'm not falling for these contender series guys coming in, looking pretty good. I'm not going to fucking fall for it. I'm not going to fall for it. And I'm not, and, and I'm choosing not to, is what I'm saying. I'm choosing not to. I see Vandernier getting knocked around maybe that first round. He's going to have a size advantage. He's got to have a reach advantage. Asmat is a good striker. He's a powerful guy. But he's got to come a long way to hit Vanderier. Vanderier's smart, which he's not. I'll go on the record and say he's not smart. But if he was smart, clinch up, use his size, move around a little bit. I think I think he'll be okay if he can do that. And when you give me plus 172 against a guy coming off the contender series, which I don't have the stats with me if I was a better podcaster, I'd throw some stats up and say, here are the guys that have won out the contender series that made the UFC debut. They don't do so well. You can fact check me, but that's that's the stat I'm giving out right now. Is I I don't think they do that well. So that's my pick. Next up, uh, Claudio Claudio Pulis minus one fifteen versus Chris Grutzmacher minus one hundred five. Chris Grutzmacher looking straight fucking caveman in this picture. I love it. This is a guy who I I thought when he came out to the fighter, I was like, "There's no way this guy's gonna have a career in the UFC." I think he's. He's tough. That's it. That's the only, he's got good cardio and he's tough. That's it. He's 15 and four, which is actually bonkers to me that he, he's, he has that kind of record. 15 fights. He just has a unique style where he walks forward and he fucking takes your best shot and he laughs at you and then he breaks you down. He did the same thing with Joe Lozon. Alex Hernandez knocked him out and then, and Hoffie Garcia, who, who does pack big power, thought he had him out there the first round. He didn't. So, you know, he's got a win loss, win loss record. He is susceptible to submissions. He can't get taken down. Um, but he just walks forward like a fucking caveman and he takes a shot. It's Claudio Pulis undefeated, or excuse me, not undefeated in UFC. Lost to UFC debut to Martin Marvin Bravo by knockout. It was a kind of a weird fight on a three fight win streak, though. But against, you know, okay competition. I mean, Marcus Morano kind of stinks. Philippe Silva's all right. And then you got Jordan Levitt, which was his last win, which was a good win. You know, the Monkey King, what is his nickname? I don't know. The Jordan Levitt's a fucking weird dude. But Pulis is a guy who. It's kind of good everywhere. He likes to. He's got some good strikes. He got some good kicks. He he seems pretty good, pretty strong in there. Um, it's gonna come down to cardio. This fight's gonna come down to cardio. It's gonna come down to can Pulis stand his ground and and hit Grusmacher enough for this fucking caveman not to walk forward anymore. Is that a possibility? Can that happen? I don't know. Pulis doesn't have the biggest power. He doesn't have the most finishes on his record. He is clean with the striking. But it's still going to come down to cardio. It's going to come down to cardio and possibly wrestling. Pulis can mix it up, try to take Grootsmacher down, try to submit him instead of just standing up with him because it's so enticing to stand up with this guy because he's walking forward. He's fucking Homer Simpson. You're bop, 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 bop. And you're like, shit, I just got a five-piece off on this guy. I'm feeling good. And the guy just keeps walking forward like, all right, here's another five-piece. Bop, 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 bop. And then you're like, uh, okay, wait, I'm getting tired. This guy's still fucking coming forward. It's a very unique style. I hate it. I think he's average. I can't believe he's 15-4. and four. With that being said, I'm going to take Pulis here. This is a pick and fight. Um, I, I don't have a strong lean on this one. This is maybe one I'm not going to bet. Maybe I will. You know, I I, I don't have a good track record against Grusmacher because I, I just don't think he's that good, right? But then he goes out there and he beats fucking people like Javi Garcia, who's average, but he goes out there and beats him when he was getting knocked around, beats Joe Lozon. Uh, you know, you know, and Joe Lawson, I have, you know, some respect for, I know it's towards the later of his career, but you know what I mean? Um, I'm going to go pull us out. I, I, I really don't have a strong lean. I think the matchmakers got this right because I don't think Vegas even knows Vegas has no fucking idea what Chris Grusmacher is going to do. You know what I mean? And, and, and pull us has got to be cutting angles. He's got to be moving. He's got to be throwing strikes. Um, and, and just keep moving. And, and I really want to see if his cardio holds up. I hope it does. But I, I don't know. Next up, Alonzo Menafield, minus 158 versus Willie Knight. Willie Knight, plus 128. This line's moving. Willie was a little higher. Now he's a little lower. I think money's coming on William Knight. Um, this fight was tough for me. This I feel like this fight's been made like 10 times. It's never happened, right? Both guys, beefy, beefy boys for um, 100 and, uh, or excuse me, 200, 205 pounds. Menafield just ricked up. Uh, William Knight, short guy, smaller guy for the division, but another bricked up dude. Both these guys have been exposed since coming from the contender series. William Knight is good on top, but his takedowns are average, right? His stand-up is, is, is his chin's in the air. It's not great, but he's got big power. Menafield, his thing is a confidence issue. I think once he, once he started losing some fights in there and when he was undefeated and he was like, wait, I'm not knocking everybody out like I used to. What the fuck's going on? And on top of that, I'm getting tired. What the hell? He was coming off a win over Ed Herman, which... 
you know, Ed Herman is a thousand years old. It was it was a good win, but it was there were some there were some moments in there where you're like, God, Menafield should be knocking this dude around. He wasn't. And it was everyone's like, what the fuck is going on here? A lot of people love Menafield. You know, he's minus 158. The books love him. William Knight didn't look so great against Dong and June, got taken down, got exposed. He doesn't have many good wins on his UFC. Alexa Kamur is 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 trash and his last fight against uh, Fabio Charant, the water buffalo, he was getting pieced up on the feet. He was getting tagged pretty good, and then he just fucking was like, all right, fuck it. I'm going out, he's going out, and he threw a fucking Hail Mary, and Doug Flutie, he threw a Doug Flutie, caught, caught Charant, and it knocked him out, and then acted like, I, I meant to do that. No, nah, he didn't. However, when you get this fight, this fight, again, it seems like it's been made 10 times. I flipped my mind 10 times. But I'm going to dog. I'm going to go William Knight. I'm going to go doggy here. Bow, wow, wow, baby. Um, I just see a world where William Knight keeps his chin up in the air. And a Menifield has better, cleaner boxing. And Menifield can clip him and knock him out for sure. Without a doubt. Without question. Or William Knight can maybe work Menifield a little bit. Keep him at distance. Take him down. If William Knight gets on top of Menifield. Because they're both big, thick, strong boys. But if, if William Knight can get on top of Menafield, that's going to be a problem. William Knight does have power. He does have good ground and pound. Menafield is not like being off his back. Just take a look. One, one Look at one. Just look at a picture of him. Just look at a, the picture I have right now. Go ahead and take podcast on YouTube. Just look at the picture. This guy does not like being off his back, right? So, I, you know, I'm leaning light here. You're giving me a plus number. I know he's a little bit higher. I say bet this now. This might be a live spot as well. I actually like this fight to bet. This will be something I bet. Um, I, I like William Knight. Just I wish I could lie bet in the state of Ohio. Ohio needs to get off their ass. But this is definitely going to be out of the first round. I want to see how they both look cardio-wise because Menifee does slow down. William Knight, even though he's short buff and, and uh, you know, a lot of muscle, a lot of those guys usually don't carry cardio, He's actually his cardio has actually been okay. Um, even when he gets his ass kicked, it's, it's been there. And I think he his game plan is... Try to limit the striking distance with Menafield and get the fight to the ground. Problem is, can he take the fight to the ground? William Knight doesn't have the best wrestling in the world. He is strong, but fucking Menafield could be stronger. I don't know. But I like uh, I like Willie Knight in that fight. Willie Knight in that fight. Next up, Mallory Martin versus Cheyenne Vlismus. This used to be Cheyenne Bays. I, I don't know. I'm not going to get into it. I don't know if she had a divorce. I don't know what's going on with her and JP. All I know is... I read an article two weeks ago on Twitter that Cheyenne Blaze or Bay's Vlismus, excuse me, had really bad COVID. And uh, my baby's crying in the background. Jesus fucking Christ. Can't even get away from it. Um, she had COVID really bad. And um, her lungs were bad. And she's sick. I, I, I'm crazy for taking this fight. She's a 2 to 5 favorite. I think she might be down to one, 190 right now. I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this short. I'm going to take Cheyenne. Mallory Martin has changed some things up. She was, I think she's drawing wins girlfriend. Maybe I don't know if they're still together, but she was at AK and now she's in, in Colorado. She is a good grappler. She can get the fight to the ground. Obviously I'm worried about Cheyenne. She's coming through possibly a divorce COVID. She's got a lot of things on the burners here, right? She's got a lot of things personally. And, and then obviously the COVID thing affecting your lungs. She said she had a horrible cough. She was prescribed an inhaler. You need your lungs when you fight people. Believe it or not, you need your lungs. And uh, so that scares me. Mallory Martin, though, I think is just on the right side of average or the wrong side of average. Excuse me. I just think that's what she is. I think she can maybe expose uh, Cheyenne if this this fight goes longer with the grappling and maybe grind her out. I don't see a finish here. Plus 164. I can see people taking spots, taking shots at her because Cheyenne does have a lot of personal stuff going on. And believe what you want, but that you take that into the cage with you. You 100% do. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just can't pull the trigger on Mallory Martin. This is a pass for me though. I'm not going to bet this. I think Cheyenne's way too high. I don't like Mallory Martin's skills enough, but she's with a new camp now. Maybe things are changing around and again, there's a lot of X factors with Cheyenne. So I'm going to avoid this fight altogether. I'm not taking it. Um, well, bam, here we go. Seven fight. Now here we're, t- now we're talking. Now we're fucking talking. Zalga Zumagululov. Hmm. Plus 210 versus Manel Cop, minus 265. Here's my big spiel. This is the guy, Manel Cop, that would have been in my slime ball. Line one. First guy, right? Very confident in this guy. He's one and two in the UFC. Everyone's complaining about this line. How could you bet Manel Cop at minus 265? He's done nothing. He's one and two in the UFC. Blah, 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 blah. I agree. Hammer, get him. Let's get him lower. Hammer Zugov. Because Zugov. 
or Zumas, Zumaglov, Zumaglov hasn't fucking done it. Well, he knocked out Jerome Vera or choked him out, whatever he did. Who fucking cares? Jerome Vera can't win a fight. This guy's nails up. He comes forward. He's nails. He he wants to fight at your pace, and then sometimes he'll, he'll, he'll speed it up a little bit, but then go back to that pace. That's what concerns me about this fight is Zumaglov isn't like a super pressure fighter. He likes to far, go forward sometimes, but sometimes he does like to play back. I, the both these guys could really have a boring fight here because Manel Cop, my biggest complaint for him since coming over the OC, is very patient, almost too patient. Pantoja fight, he just stared at him every time he threw. Pantoja was a little nervous about it, just had to throw more. And the Matthias Nikolaev fight, he hurt Nikolaev, dropped him, close fight, but he just didn't do enough. In the Odie Osborne fight, Odie was coming after him, and then he finally landed that knee. That first round, he took some big shots, landed that knee in the second round, knocked him out. So. I feel like Cop, three fights in, this is his fourth fight in the UFC, you got to fucking start kind of getting things going here. You got to start getting things going. You got to start putting a little pressure on. You're athletic, you're explosive, your footwork's good, your takedown defense is good. You have takedowns. Your submission defense is improving. You have a great chin. You have all the skills to beat this guy. Now, there's a lot of arguments online that Zumagoff, he's the value player, plus 210, and I can't argue that. Listen, you get 2-1 to one on your money, this could come down to a really weird decision because both guys, I mean, Cap's a finisher or Cop's a finisher, but Zumagoff doesn't get finished. He's got a he's got a fucking cement head. But this is gonna come down to fucking the, the my nose keeps itching. I don't know who's thinking about me out there. You guys thinking about what the fuck? Why is my nose itching? Anyway, um, this is gonna come down to probably the, a, a decision. Cop could catch him. I mean, Cop has big big power, but Zumagoff has proven to be a fucking chin from hell. But when it comes down to a fight like this. I, I I take the lines out of the equation, right? Because I need a horse. Every card has a horse. Or every every card has someone you want to back immensely. That's the guy you circle, guaranteed. Life on the line, I think he's going to win. Now, there might be better spots for other people on this card that, you know, life on the line, they might win. But mine's my now cop. So 265 isn't that bad. And when it comes to fights like this, you go with the more skilled fighter. Zumagulov is tough. He's durable. He comes forward. He has no cardio issues, and um, but he has no real way to win. He has an okay guillotine choke. I don't see that being a problem. Manel Cop, um, you know, he could pressure the takedowns. He could try to clinch him up. I, I don't see that happening. Manel Cop is the more dangerous fighter, but he has to throw. He can't stare at this kid. He's got to get after this kid because this kid Zumagulov will let you come. He wants to counter. He will. Let, he'll let you come at him. Cop needs to do that. He needs to make a statement here. He needs to put a stamp on this division. Uh, he, they paid him a lot of money to come over here. He was a star in Japan. He's got to fucking prove it. Obviously, I'm picking Manel Cop. This would have been my top line slime ball parlay player. I just couldn't pull the trigger on someone else. The main event has a fighter I like in it, um, but I just I, I I rather play straight plays and maybe dabble some parlays that get up in the five fifties and make some money instead of fucking with a slime ball. Um, so no slime ball this week. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. But we got two more cards. Hopefully we'll get some good slime balls in. I just, I don't want to force it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I don't want to force it. That's a great English accent. Oh, boy. Oh, by the way, that was my mortal lock. I missed, I missed the cue. Where are we at here? That's not it. That's my best bet. That's mortal lock. One more time. Yeah, so that's my mortal lock is is Manel Cop. I love that. I love that fighter. I think he's extremely talented. I know Zumaglov is tough. He's durable. But if everything goes right, if Manel Cop steps up and, and decides to, you know what I mean, take the restrictor plate off. Whoa, where did that come from? If he decides to take the restrictor plate off and this dude's full go, He's a problem. He's a real fucking problem, and, and I'm here for it. I'm here for it. All right, next up, Jake Matthews, minus 192 versus Jeremiah Wells, plus 154. This line is crazy. Jeremiah Wells made his UFC debut on, like, 24 hours notice, knocked out Worley Alvarez. Big buff guy, you know. Jake Matthews been in the UFC forever, was supposed to be the next Australian star, and he's every time they give him a shot to really make it, he's faltered. Every shot to make it, he's faltered. Every time, you know. He just doesn't have the star power in him. And a lot of people credit it to the fact that his dad's still coaching him. He's still in Australia. He's not mixing anything up. He's plateaued. His skill level's there. Jack Matthews is not a specialist. He's okay standing up, but he's not great. He wants to get the fight to the ground. Jeremiah Wells coming out of that Philly gym, and that Philly gym is cracking right now. Sean Brady, Pat Sabatini, Paul Felder still training there. Jeremiah Wells is grappling and, and, and rolling with fucking studs. 
And he's coming in against Jake Matthews, where I think he's going to have the power advantage. I think his stand-up is a little stiff, but he's got the power advantage. I think he's going to have the grappling advantage as well. I think if he's on top, it's going to be a problem. I think he's going to keep it standing, and I don't think Matthews is going to have much to say about it. I don't think he's going to be able to take Wells down. My only concern is I don't have enough on Wells to see if his cardio holds out. Right? Obviously, he was slowing down the Worley fight, took down a relatively short notice, still won by knockout in that second round. Matthews is shown to be have an okay chin, but he does get rattled. He does get rocked a little bit. He's been rocked. He's been finished before. Wells has big power. Um, I like Wells to win by decision. I think he's going to piece up Matthews. I think Matthews is going to slow down, and I think he's just going to take over this fight. I think this is going to be uh, this is going to be a walk in the park for for uh, maybe not a walk in the park, but this is a fight that I'm definitely betting at plus one fifty four. This line's moving as well. I like uh, I like uh, Jeremiah Wells in the spot. Um, I just think he's 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 better than Matthews. I think Matthews at this point. I hate to say it because I don't know the guy personally, right? But I'm gonna say it anyway. I think he's like checked out. Right, I think he's had his shots. He's had his moments. I think he's doing it for a paycheck. I think he's just chilling in beautiful Australia, you know, with his dad training, trying to get in the best shape, and he's just taking all fights. You know, I don't think the title is in his in his aspirations. I don't think the title is goal. I think just making money is his goal now. Stepping in against a bulldog like Jeremiah Wells, who's the second UFC fight, his first fight with the training camp, coming out of that Philly gym, which is hot right now. You mean Jeremiah Wells and at plus money, <laughs> fucking plus money. Get out of here. Plus money. This was almost my send him home. Almost my send him home. I chose not to. There's another fight on here that's my send him home, which I'm now kind of regretting. It's a fight that I really dove into. We'll get to it next. Next up, Maki Patolo, plus 138 versus Dusko Todorovic, minus 170. Maki Patolo, fantastic nickname, Coconut Bombs, absolutely Fucking cool. I wish I had a cool nickname, but what's not cool is he's coming off a few losses here. He's coming off three. Julian Marquez, where a fight he was winning and a kind of choke. And put Kasanane, where he looked good in the first round, then kind of faded. And then Darren Stewart, he got choked out in the first round as well, which he tried to grapple, initiate a grapple. It was weird. I mean, Darren Stewart choking you out. I mean, mm, the dentist is choking you out. You got some problems. Just good Torvich, undefeated, coming to the UFC, and has a knockout over Michelle Pelletta. Comes to the UFC. Looks okay in the contender series. Looks okay in his debut. I mean, gets a finish over Daquan Townsend, but his last two fights have not looked so good. He's hittable. His chin's in the air. Um, His power's there when he counters, right? I do think he has some power. I think he's young, right? 12 fights. This is his 13th fight. Patolo, a little undersized for 85 in my opinion. I think Dusko's going to have the height advantage, and and Mackie does hit really hard. Poirier and Serrano knocked out Dusko Trorich, and then Gregory Rodriguez just kind of manhandled him. Dusko is going to need to be a little more offensive here. Makibatolo is going to come out. He's going to throw. He's going to bang. He's aggressive, but he can be hit. He can be caught. Sometimes he gets a little emotional. Sometimes he slows down. I think Dusko, as long as he just doesn't take clean shots on the chin, as long as he can put his fucking hands up, maybe roll with the shot, something, He'll be good. This is my send him home. Send him home. Send him home early. I'm picking. Oh, you fucker. I don't know why it does that. My fucking thing went off again. Uh, listen, Ecamp, I love you, but you got to fix this shit, bro. Like, I keep fucking, I keep losing my stream after however many minutes. Um, if you're listening to audio, it doesn't bother you, but it pisses me off. I'm Okay, that really bothered me. I need to calm down. I'm trying to really work on my anger. I got mad today. I got mad. I've been mad a lot this week, okay? So I'm trying to work on my anger. I'm going to settle down, settle down a little bit, pick my fight here. It's my send them home, if you guys didn't hear that, okay? Send them home. Send them home. Send them home early. It's kind of an odd pick. I, I you know, Dusko Durovich doesn't have the most wins by knockout. He has an okay judo game. A lot of people are picking this fight by decision. I'm sure I'm sure Dusko by knockout, Dusko by some kind of submission is very high. Uh, I am definitely going to take that. This um, is a fight that I'm not super confident in. I don't love the chalk here. But if you're getting great value on some kind of finish, that's why I kind of played it here. I think Dusko is going to win. I think he's the better fighter right now. I think he's a little more confident. I think Mackie is second-guessing himself. I also think he's a little bit better at 185, like more suited for 185. But, you know, Mackie's still got coconut bombs. I mean, that's just a fucking dope nickname. You know what I mean? You got coconut bombs the rest of your, rest of your life. I and mean, that, that's pretty fucking dope right there. All right, 
Fight 10, Brian Barberina, minus 152 versus Darian Weeks, plus 124. This fight came together relatively recent. Brian Barberino was supposed to fight Matt Brown. Matt Brown tested for COVID. Darren Weeks was supposed to fight on the all contender series. He tested for COVID. He was supposed to fight Josh Quinlan, who got busted for all types of steroids. So Darren Weeks kind of dodged a bullet there. But this is an interesting fight here because Brian Barberina is washed. This dude is washed. Horrible back surgery. Came back, hasn't looked the same. His chin's not there. His 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 punching power is always going to be there. So that's never going to go away. His takedown defense is non-existent. You know, he's got some good chokes in there. He's a vet in there. He's tough. You know, I I know I said his chin's gone, but he is. I mean, his chin's not like fucking Luke Rockhold. Okay, he still can take a shot, but not like he used to. And this picture I'm staring at, he's got this horrible fucking rash or scar on his belly. Only a guy like Brian Barberina can pull off a fucking belly rash like that on his UFC profile picture. Um, Darren Weeks, a guy I dove into a little bit here. Um, obviously, I, I knew he was supposed to fight in a contender series, but I didn't really look up tape on him. Looked up tape on him. Seems a little stiff, seems a little rigid, but seems powerful, right? He's a pro boxer. He's one on one. I hate using that. I hate saying, oh, he's a pro boxer. He's one on one. I mean, he's one on one. I mean, he. That's not like he's not like he's 12 and 0. He's not like he's fucking, you know, Clay Collard. He's not that pro box. He's one on one. But he does have some good stand up. Um, he's powerful. He's strong. Uh, he's a blue belt in jujitsu with 10 planet, which, if that means anything, I don't think it will in this fight. I think this fight's going to play on the feet. Brian Barberino just still has power. Um, he's, he, he's quick. He doesn't load up on any of his punches. His punches are, are they come from straight. Boom, 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 boom. They're really quick. They're really fast. But he likes to take a shot. I think Weeks is aggressive. Everything I've seen him so far, he's aggressive. He's young. He's only had, how many fights is that? Like five, right? What are we at here? Um, I know they moved move the card around, so sorry if you're looking at topology. Like, well, what the fuck? Um, there it is. He's eight, five and up, right? Um, hasn't fought anybody. His, his record is is very padded. But he's got something to him for being, being an underdog that I like. I'm going to take him as the underdog here at plus 124. This line's moving as well. I don't even know if Weeks is in the plus column. I just think Brian Bramarina is so washed. I think he's going to go out there. I think he's going to want to stand with this kid. I think this kid's going to bully him around a little bit. As long as Weeks has some good takedown defense, because I think Bob, Brian Barberino is going to maybe want to mix it up. You know, He fucking got eight takedowns against him against fucking uh, Jason Witt or something crazy. He got 15 takedowns. I don't know what it was. Jason Witt took him down every which way. And Brian Bramarina... Didn't really have much off his back. Has a decent choke, has a good darts, has a good guillotine. Um, hopefully Weeks, though, just comes out and blitzes him and, and just wants to take him out. But it's kind of what Sage Norcutt did a few years ago, but that was the old Brian Barberina. I'm not buying. I mean, that was Brian Barberina when he was in Arizona training with the lap. Now he's in Nashville. He doesn't go to Arizona anymore. That was Brian Barberina before the back injury. Now he's got a horrible back. Uh, Matt Brown was a perfect fight. Both these guys, Matt Brown's in his 40s. Both these guys had back injuries. They would have went out there. They would have banged it out. Darren Weeks is a 100 guy. He was supposed to fight the contender series, never got a shot. COVID pulled him, gets a shot here on short notice. He's hungry. He wants to come out there. He wants to win. I, I, I like him probably by finishing, if I'm being honest with you. He's got some knockouts on his record. I know against nobodies. I know he hasn't fought anybody. I get it. But I think he he comes out here and he really cracks by Marina just because that motherfucker's gone. The dude's gone now. Next up, here we go. All right, this one, this one's gonna take a little bit because this is obviously the fight I've been thinking about the most. Brendan Allen minus three sixty five versus the Action Man, King of Combat, Chris Curtis plus two seventy. Chris Curtis taking this fight on short notice because um, it was supposed to be Brad Tavares. Brad Tavares pulled out. Then it was supposed to be Roman Delice. Delice's got COVID. Brendan Allen or Chris Curtis said, "Yeah, I'll take the fight." Steps up. There's a lot of layers to this fight. A lot of layers. The one layer that I had been I had brought up last time Brendan Allen fought, because I like Brendan Allen, right? He's going against my guy, so obviously, you know, what are you gonna do? And and I'm not, you know, if you're watching the YouTube stream, it, it's it's Chris Curtis all the way. I just picked him. He's gonna win the fight. That's my pick. And not only is he my pick, but we need more dogs. We need more dogs, and Chris Curtis is a big dog. So he's my dog lock. I'm picking him. So let me get through the layers, if you will. Brendan Allen, a guy I like, young kid, 25, good fight, right? His only knockout loss, I think, in his career was to Sean Strickland. And ever since that knockout loss, two or three fights ago, I think it was three fights ago, he's on a two-fight winning streak. Ever since that knockout loss to Strickland, Strickland's like a high-level fighter, no big deal, right? It didn't seem there was that much bad blood between them. He comes out, wins. I want to fight Sean Strickland again. Okay, buddy, that's not how it works. Sean's not the champion. 
right? Sean beat you to progress towards the title. You can't just get a rematch because you're like, I had a bad night. I want to fight him. Calls him out immediately. Gets on a podcast, calls him out again. Goes to a press conference, calls him out again. Then he fights Carl Robinson or uh, Poliana Serrano. One of those, whatever. Beats him. Calls out fucking Sean Strickland again in the octagon. Calls him out post-fight. Calls him out uh, on podcasts, on Twitter. Wherever, wherever you can, he's calling this guy. He's obsessed with this, right? And you got to get over it because they're not going to. There was no foul play. Sean knocked you out clean. TKO'd you, knocked you out clean. He beat you clean. There's no foul play. There's no cheating. There's no miss weight. There's no, you can't get that one back until one of you become closer to the title. So it was so obnoxious that he kept doing this when it was never going to happen. He's a little delusional, right? Good fighter, delusional. Enter my guy, Chris Curtis. Coming off a first round knockout of Full Hall's UFC debut, Full Hall's was undefeated in UFC. Chris Curtis was a huge underdog. Yada, yada, yada. Made a lot of money off of him. I love you, Chris. Whatever. Chris goes, okay, I'm going to go back down to 170. Not a big guy. Chris, is, Chris isn't built for one, 185. You know, muscular, but not big, short. Um, he At the press, press conference, I'm going to go back to 70, right? You know, I'm not going to rule out 85. I'm going to go back to 70. They call him up. They're like, hey, we got this fight. Yes, I live in Vegas. I'll take it. Why not? I, I only got a little bit of bruises from Phil Hawes. Not hurt. I'll take this fight. Sean Strickland and Chris Curtis are best friends. Sean Strickland is Chris Curtis's main training partner. Sean Strickland is Chris Curtis's chief corner. If you've ever seen Chris fight outside the UFC and when Sean is fighting in a smaller crowd, or excuse me, Sean is cornering in a smaller crowd, all you hear is Sean Strickland. He's got a gravelly voice and it cuts through. They're fighting in the apex. Brendan Allen is obsessed with Sean Strickland. He is overlooking Chris Curtis because he wants to make a statement to beat Chris Curtis, Sean Strickland's right-hand man, to get to Sean Strickland. He wants some kind of angle to be like, now I beat your guy, I want you again, right? But the problem is, is you just don't do that to Chris. You're not going to steamroll Chris. Chris is a veteran. He's got more fights than Brendan Allen. He's older than Brendan Allen. He's got more finishes than Brendan Allen. The only advantage Brendan Allen has, in my opinion, is he's got the size. He's 6'2", but the reach is the same. And he's got the ground game. Chris has only missed him at one time. His UFC, or not, excuse me, his MMA career, but Tom Galicchio a million years ago. Pretty good on the ground. Pretty good submission defense. I don't think Brendan Allen's going to have a really good shot at getting it to the ground. Brendan Allen's wrestling isn't super great. I think Chris's takedown defense has struggled in the past, but I think he's really cleaned it up. Striking is going to come down to striking. Brendan Allen moved to Sanford MMA. He's striking a little bit more. Poliana Serrano fight, he struck. Carl Robeson struck until he took him down and submitted him, right? With Chris, I think he's going to want to strike. He's he's the long, He thinks he's the longer guy. Chris is going to need to close the distance. With Even though they have the same reach, the height advantage is there for Brennan Allen. Brennan's a solid guy, right? But Chris is a better striker than Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland may hit harder, maybe like a one more one-punch knockout, but Chris Curtis is a better striker. You know, better, more technical. Chris needs to come out here, and he needs to fucking not drop the first round. He always drops the first round. He slows down, or excuse me, he just drops the first round, then he then he comes on. This is going to go three rounds probably. Brandon Allen is a durable dude. I don't see him knocking out Chris. I don't really see Krim getting Chris down. I think he could submit Chris if I'm being completely unbiased because I do think he is slick on the ground. I do think he has that ability to submit Chris. His rear naked chokes money. He's got leg locks. He's got a lot of really tricky stuff. I just don't think it's going to go there. I think Chris is going to be smart enough to keep this one on the feet. I think his takedown defense is going to hold up, and I think he's going to... Stall out Brennan Allen. At first round, I, I I want Chris to come out a little more aggressive. I want him to lead the dance. I don't want him to counter against Brennan Allen. Brennan Allen's a longer guy. You got to close the distance. You got to work the body. I would love to see some leg kicks. Chris doesn't kick a lot. Brennan's legs are there, baby. I watched a lot of fights. His legs are there. One, two, body. If you don't do body, end on the leg. Break this guy down. I see Chris winning this fight. Maybe third round stoppage. If that, if not a decision, close decision. I like Brennan Allen. I don't want to shit on Brennan Allen like I did Phil Halls, right? Brennan Allen is a very good fighter. He's a young fighter, has a lot of good skills. But I just think this is Chris's time. He's had over 30 fights. He's fought every style. He has sparred every style. 6'2", being undersized for, for this fight is nothing to him, right? He's looking sharp. He's posting stuff on Instagram where he's working the mitts with his boxing coach. He's looking really sharp. He works the body so well. And, it, you know, I know... Phil Hawes has a little bit of a chin issue. Brennan Allen, I, I wouldn't say has a chin issue. He has been knocked out before. And if Sean Strickland can find it, I think Chris Curtis can find it. So I'm going to Chris Curtis. Plus, two, uh, plus 270 is fucking gorgeous. It is. Ah, your mom's fucking meatballs gorgeous, baby. I love it. Next up, Jimmy Crew. 
Jimmy Burke Crew, minus 184 versus Jamal Hill, plus 148. I did something a little different here. I did something a little different, right? If you've been with me for a long time, you know I don't like Jimmy Crew, right? He lost me a lot of money many years ago. I have since buried the hatchet with Jimmy Crew. Both these guys are coming off a kind of a weird loss. Jamal Hill got his arm, elbow dislocated against Paul Craig. Jimmy Crew got his uh, fucking foot dropped, leg dead against Anthony Smith. Now they're fighting. Jamal Hill, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I like this guy's confidence. It's infectious. Follow him on Twitter. I love his confidence. His confidence, though, unfortunately, this is the reason he lost to Paul Craig. He, defend, he, he followed Paul Craig to the ground. He fed the first arm bar. He's like, fuck this. I defend this first arm bar. This guy, yeah, elbow gone. You know what I mean? That's exactly what happened. But his striking is very good. He's a tricky southpaw. He's long for the division. Jimmy Krupp is, is a grappler. He's trying to be a striker. I think his head coach, where he comes from, is, is more of a striking camp. He does have a good knockout over Modestus Bukakis, 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 who gives a fuck, right? That means nothing to me. Um, Jimmy wings punches. He's durable. He's tough. He's the brute. Um, he's going to have to get this fight to the ground. He's going to have to take Jamal Hill down. He's going to have to rough him up. I think he's the stronger guy. Jamal Hill is, is tall and lanky for this division. But if Jimmy Crute wants to stand there with Jamal Hill, he's going to get fucking a left piston. He's going to get sharpshooted over and over and over again. Jimmy's going to need to close the distance, get this fight to the ground. And I think he can do that. I'm actually going to go Jimmy Crute. I never picked Jimmy Crute. I don't like this on a betting standpoint, though. I think this fight's very close. I think all the value is on Jamal Hill. I would encourage people maybe to pick Jamal Hill. I know that's contradictive of what I'm saying, but I'm a walking contradiction. But I just think in my head, the way I break down this fight, I think Jimmy's, yeah, Jimmy Crute is going to have a little bit of a problem in the beginning, right? Jamal Hill's very active with his hands, has a good body kick. And then when Jimmy figures him out, I think once he gets him to the ground, Jamal Hill's very confident in jiu-jitsu. He said, leading up to the Paul Craig fight, I'm a jiu-jitsu fighter. That's what my first base was. But I think when Jimmy gets him, when Jimmy's on top, I feel like the fucking guy from Seinfeld. I keep saying Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. Um, yeah, I, I like I like, I like the brute crew. I never pick him. Listen, let me tell you something right now, okay? I'm not going to bet this fight. This is just a pick, right? I'm not betting this fight. But if Jimmy loses, he's back in the graveyard, okay? I can't just keep picking the guy, but I do think he's going to win. This will be a good fight. This I, I actually really like this matchmaking here by the old UFC. All right, Clay Guida, plus 154 versus Leonardo Leo Santos, minus 192. Um, this is weird for me because I always fade Clay Guida, right? And I don't like Santos. He's 41. He doesn't fight actively, right? Great jiu-jitsu. I think his stand-up is, is, is okay as well, but I don't love the guy. Um, but when I saw this fight get booked and when I, it's on my card, I immediately circled Santos. I, I, I'm so high on this since Santos in this fight. I think clay has no chance to win. Santos is a big guy for 55 clays undersized. His striking's pretty good. And his ground game is bar none. Clay gets submitted. Now he gets choked out. He gives him his neck. If he wants to wrestle clay, what, what fight doesn't clay want to wrestle? He can't stand up with this guy. Cause this guy can piece him up. The only issue I have, with betting a lot on Santos would be the cardio. He's got no fucking cardio. Could he cl- catch club and sub? Could he catch clay and take him down, submit him with the neck? Maybe this guy's lights on the ground, but I'm struggling to find how clay wins this fight. I don't think clay wants to wrestle. I think he's going to have a hard, a, a more hard time standing up than he realizes because he did look good against Mark Madsen, a fight that was very close that he lost. He did look good standing up. He caught Madsen with some good shots. Santos, though, is so much bigger, longer, and his striking's okay. It's not bad, and he has some power. He's hurt people with his punches before. So I'm all over Santos. I This jumped off the page to me. I don't know why. I know I always fade Guida, so I really had to look in and go, okay, is it because I have distaste for Guida, or is this how the fight, do I really see the fight going? So when I dove in a little deeper, being the fucking sharp that I am, I'm like, I don't know how Clay wins. I really, besides a fluke punch, and then obviously Santos could gas if it goes long, but I think Santos is going to hit him when he wants, and I think if this fight goes to the ground, I think Clay's going to get submitted. Man, I don't understand how it could go either way. The only way it could go is Santos never fights, and he's 40-something years old, so that obviously can, uh, could have something to do with it as well, but I like Santos. All right, co-main event, amazing fight. Hafia Fazee versus Brad Riddell. Fazee was a minus 118. Riddell is a minus 104. Absolute bang of a fight. Um, 
Yeah, so this is just a classic case of two Muay Thai guys. Both have spent a lot of time over in Thailand. Both have fought multiple Muay Thai fights. I believe at one point, Fizev was the coach of Riddell. There's some kind of history there. They're friendly with each other. I made the mistake. I rode Brad Riddell's coattails his entire UFC career, and he's won. He's undefeated in the UFC, and he's made me some money, and I switched on him. And fucking went Drew Dober's last time out because I thought Drew Dober was the more powerful guy. He clipped Riddell, but Riddell's resilient and his technique was so much better than Dober. And then clipped Dober. I mean, Dober's got a fucking cement head with that granite chin, so it didn't matter. But Riddell can fucking crack. He doesn't have the biggest power in the world, but he his technique and everything's so perfect. He had to Fiziev, who's looked pretty good, right? It, you know, I don't love his hands. His kicks are, are great. I mean, he does have good hands, obviously. I think Riddell's going to have the better hands. I think Fiziev's going to have the better kicks. I think Riddell can mix it up a little bit better. I don't think he will, but I think he can. I think he's really evolving into a really good mixed martial artist. I think Fiziev is still relying on his, his – he's working on his takedowns, obviously, and he's still relying on his – I think he's like some kind of Sambo guy. I do think he has a grappling background, but mm, does he – He's relying on his, his his quick twitch muscle and his stand up to get him by. I thought he lost to Bobby Green. I had him in that fight. I I bet him. I had him in a parlay. I thought he lost to Bobby Green. I did. I truly did. I thought he lost that fight. I thought he gassed out. Didn't throw enough punches. Bobby Green is a tricky guy. But enter Brad Riddell. A lot of times when these high high level strikers get together, they kind of cancel each other out a little bit. It's fucking shot for shot. It's they know their techniques. It almost is going to look like a sparring match. However, I think Brad Riddell has that little bit of fucking nasty prick in him. I think Riddell can turn it up a little bit. I think this is going to remind me a lot of the Drew Dober fight, right? Because, I mean, Fiziev's a more high-level fighter than Drew Dober. Drew Dober's a more tight fighter as well. Um, I think Riddell's going to fucking come after him a little bit harder. Um, I think he has to watch the kicks, right? Fiziev does have great kicks. The cardio's on Riddell's side. I think the I think the overall MMA game is on Riddell's side. I like the number to pick a fight. I'm going Brad Riddell. I'm going back to the well with Brad Riddell. <laughs> I'm fucking Dr. Seuss tonight. Um, I just never been blown away by Fiziev. I know he has some cool knockouts and everyone's like, no one wants to fight this guy at 155. I kind of disagreed. I, I thought people still would want to fight him. I think his striking is very, very good. I don't want to shit on him, but I, I, I didn't think he was the boogeyman. I don't think he, he was Chimaev in this division. Like at one point people thought he was, I don't think he is. I think he got exposed a little bit with his cardio, uh, in the Bobby Green fight, I think, you know, once you get out of that first round, the power's kind of gone from this guy. And uh, Brad Riddell's gone three hard rounds with a lot of fighters in there. Um, I like I like Brad Riddell in this fight. I like it so much that I'm betting it. I like Brad Riddell at that spot. All right, main event. I love this fucking main event, guys. This is a fantastic main event. Rob Font, minus 154 versus Jose Aldo, plus 126. Um, man, listen, uh... I've I've never really correctly two things. I can't get Jose out of fights right, right? My track record's horrible. And I've never properly given him the respect he deserves. The King of Rio won the best 145 pounds of all time. I have to eat crow because I thought it was a horrible idea for him to make uh go down to 135 because he was struggling at 45. People were talking about him going up. And then he cuts down to 40 or 35, makes a whole complete lifestyle change. His cardio is great. He looks great. He's the bigger guy in there. His speed's still there. His his twitch muscle's still there. I mean, some of the gifts and little compilations I've seen of him blocking um, uh, calf kicks, just a quick, I mean, it's it's impressive. And to Rob Font, this guy has worked his ass off to be where he's at. I like that. Came to the UFC, not highly touted, just a Boston kid. Tyson Chartier is his coach. Had a little hype around him. Calvin Cater had a little bit more font, though, worked his ass off. He looked really good against Cody Garber, and I know a lot of people see red flags because he couldn't finish Cody, Cody when Cody's got a bad gym, but he hurt Cody a lot, threw a lot of punches. I think that's the vol- that's the path to victory against Otto is volume. Uh, that's what you do. Otto looked really good against Petrion, and Petrion figured him out, broke him down to the body, and then ended up finishing him. Uh, Jose Otto looked really good against Chito Very. He decided to wrestle a little bit. Chito started figuring him out. And then Otto jumped to his back and said, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a black belt, too. And you can't get me off your back. You know, his best performance was against Pedro Munoz, where he landed a lot of leg kicks, which we all want to see. And Pedro was confident in that fight. And Pedro admitted, like, he's like, I was a step behind. Like, this dude's fucking good. So... Aldo is is right there in the pocket. People forget how fucking young he is. He fought, he started fighting when he's like twelve. He's a year younger than Rob Font or a year older than Rob Font. You know, you would think he's ten years older than Rob Font. 
But the problem is, is Rob Font's long, his jab, you know, his body type reminds me of Max Holloway a little bit. He's going to throw a lot of jabs out there. He's going to keep him at distance. Um, Jose Aldo's working his boxing with, I think, the, the Naval Academy or something. What, who is he working with? He's working with someone in boxing down there in, in Brazil, and he said it really motivated him, jumpstarted his career again, um, and really his boxing has looked good. It looked really good against Petrion, but Petrion, I think, might be the best boxer in the UFC. He took over. He made the reads. Looked really good against Pedro Munoz. Pedro Munoz might have the best chin in the UFC. Some guys might have fell for that fight because he, he was landing a lot of mixed up punches and kicks in that fight. Joe Zato looked fantastic. Cheetah Bear, I don't think he looked fantastic, but he, he got the job done. He won when he, you know, he had to win. Aldo's a guy that if he wins once, you know, he, he might he'd be fighting for the title. I mean, he can get the winner, I think, should fight. Could fight for the title, but you obviously got to see what happens with TJ Dillashaw. You got to see what happens, whatever. Winner could fight Corey, Sen- Corey Sanhagen, which I love. A lot of options for both these guys. Long story short, I'm going Rob Font. And I'm going Rob Font here strictly because I think the volume is going to be the bigger issue. I think Jose is going to look really good in the beginning. I think his speed's going to be tough. But I think Rob Font's volume, his length, and his overall boxing ability is going to be good. I think he needs to mix it up. I think he needs to watch his kicks. He needs to mix it up to the body. I don't think he needs to, because the best counter for a jab when you're Jose Aldo is a, is a left kick or, you know, calf kick or whatever. Um, so you got to be mindful of that. And obviously, they're working with him. He comes from a good camp. Tyson Chardy, I think, is a good coach. But I like Rob Font in this fight. I like Rob Font. Piecing him up on the feet, working the body a little bit. It's good to go long. I know there's like a crate. What, what, what's happening right now with these fucking five-round main events going to the decision? It's an absurd number. I see this fight going to the decision as well. I see Jose, Jose maybe winning some of the earlier round one, maybe first half of round two, and then, and then Font taking over. Um, Jose has proven to show some pretty good cardio at 135, but Rob puts a pace on you. And I, I don't know if you can handle that pace, Jose out of this. So I'm going to go Rob Font. That's it. That's the card. It feels good to be back. I I, I will admit, boys, I will admit I, I was a little distracted. I got this fucking setup here, which I don't want to get into. The fucking Ecamm going to YouTube crashed again. So no, I got two fucking streams I got to fix. It's a nightmare. I got to figure some stuff out, right? We got to figure some stuff out. Little things like that problem. Little problems like that drive me absolutely fucking nuts because I'm nuts. Okay. But listen, uh, I'll tweet out my picks. Obviously, you can follow me on Bet MMA Tips. Um, yeah, that's it. That's the fight. That's that's the fight game, baby. Uh, awesome fights this weekend. I cannot wait. Follow me on social media, MMA Takes Podcast everywhere. Let's go. Woo! Hey, pal, do me a favor. Get her down off there. What do you say? Woo! I say let her dance. Woo! Escort this gentleman to the door. Come on. Do you see that shit? Yeah. Who is that guy? He's good. He's real good. The name is Dollar.